0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. We have a treat for you this week. This week, Dan and I, Adrian and I sit down and we talk about the ever elusive topic of work-life balance. That thing that's held up by so many people on a pedestal of something to achieve in life, this balance, but nobody can define. And, you know, this really brings us into the conversation. This is what we talk about. Is work life balance a goal that we actually want to achieve? And if it is, can we define it? There are so many great questions in this conversation that we explore. I can't wait for you to hear it. As always, don't forget to check out change-imperative.com to download your own free copy. That's right, I said free copy of The Change Imperative. It's an ebook that Dan wrote all about organizational change. So many of us are going through change right now in our companies uh, with the market, with COVID, all of those crazy things that are going on right now. This is an essential part of your toolbox when making change in your organization. Again, change-imperative.com. Go get your free copy. Let's get into the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Adrian and Dan. How are you, gentlemen? Hey, great. Good. Good to have you. Good to be back in the saddle with both of you. I'm excited about the conversation today. In fact, this conversation for me, Adrian, was spurred uh, loosely by a video you did on Instagram yesterday, you know, talking about um, leaving work at, at work possibly or what that might look like. Or things that might we might need to take care of to free our mind when we leave work, and I love the video, and I thought you made some just some really cool points in there, so I wanted to make sure we included that in some of this conversation. Um, but definitely, I mean, we work with a lot of people, and, uh, a lot of people, a lot of executives and leaders, and one of this prevailing ideas amongst leaders is that there's this work and life. Right. When a, I think I've mentioned before in these conversations that sometimes when we'll ask a leader a question in our coaching sessions, they'll say, Well, at work or personally? And the answer is, Well, yes. Yeah. So I wanted, I think this is a great opportunity to, uh, uh, to have a conversation about what is, what are we talking about when people talk about work-life balance? Does it actually even exist? Are we compartmentalized human beings where we show up one way in one place and another way in another place? And if not, how do we use this to our advantage? What What can we learn about ourselves and our leadership through both our work life, quote unquote, and our personal life. So I wanted to start with the compartmentalization and talk to both of you about how you feel or, or what, do you, what you observe and what you've learned and what your experience has been in life of trying to compartmentalize work and life or personal and work. What, like, what comes up for you when we start to talk about this topic?
1: Well, what comes up for me, is it okay if I go first, Dan? Oh, Please. Got it. Uh, Well, a couple of things I just wrote down on probably like, I think the purpose of the conversation, like work and life as a, as a balance, even like that. It's interesting to ask your ask ourselves why we think, why we think balance is something to go after. So that's where I first, I first wonder about the question, wonder about the idea and where it came from and and why we've constructed it. My, I, I, when I asked myself that as you were doing the intro chat, I think there's two things. One is it gives us, it seems to give us something to aim at. Meaning like, it sounds nice that I, that, that we ought to have this kind of balance thing going on. And that sounds maybe what a responsible human is going to do or responsible adults, or I ought to be balanced, you know, like we, I should be balanced. And Oh, if there's a problem at home, Home. It's because I'm imbalanced. If there's a problem at work, or this thing it's because I'm imbalanced. Like you know, it's just it gives me. It probably sounds like a map, like a like a map, like a way to to negotiate between in life. And so I think so it gives us something to aim at. Like it's usually a what is balance, anyways? Like I think it's like a sensation for people. Most of the time, what they mean is um, there's no trouble going on over there, so I must be balanced. It's working. (laughs) We must be balanced. Um, we're at equilibrium, right? Equilibrium this you know, neurological term around whenever we're upright, we're, you know, we have balance. So anyway, so I think the purpose of it is that it gives us something to aim at that sounds altruistic or sounds that sounds sound or wise. The other thing is, it also gives us something to shame ourselves about, you know, so it's like this aim and shame conversation where it's like, if, if the wife's unhappy, it gives language to what's wrong. Like, Oh, I'm just not balanced. I'm out of balance. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's a, there's a crisis happening at work and you, you've been having to like focus over there, it's like, Oh, I'm out of, Oh, what's wrong. I'm really tired. What am I, oh, I'm out of balance right now. Or my kids forgot my name. What's, you know, what's the, you know, what's the problem? Oh, I'm, I've been out of balance um, or I need to, you know, I'm really burnt out. Why? Oh, I haven't gone on a vacation because I'm out of balance. You know, so I think it just it helps people put language to the tension that they're in. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the other thing that comes up first. And I'll stop talking. But, you know, for most of us like to label things like it's a problem. Because. You know, if something is a known problem, then I can actually be in solution mode and I can knock stuff out and check a box. And let me just put this formula on this or just do this equation or whatever. It's a problem. Let me get to the solution. And that's usually convenient and actually relieving to us whenever like there's a thing going on. I don't like let me label it as a problem so I can find a solution. Things like this, this this is a tension. This is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve, I would say. Because it's not like if you get balanced today, tomorrow you're going to wake up balanced, or you're going to even feel balanced. Even if you were balanced, you still might not feel "quote unquote" balanced. This is like, this is attention to manage. You've got you have aims, you have vision, and both in the if, if let's say family and work. Let's just pick those as two. There's lots of things that are are buying for our attention. Actually, we want to give our attention to. But let's just pick those two. If there's a, a lack of congruency. And both things and both sides, then we might. That's just attention. That's not going to go away. My significant other wants my attention. My work wants my attention. That's not a. That's not a problem. That's just a. That's a. That's. So that's attention to manage because both want my attention. So that's what first comes up, like framework around it, and why I get so bothered, and I think why culture has decided to like really hook onto this to yeah. deal with its own. To deal with it, you know, with this tension.
2: Yeah, I've, I've worked to just disli- kind of dismiss it from my my mind because I don't yeah. know of any, any great thinker who uses balance uh, mainly because it's too obvious and therefore pretty untrustworthy. You know what I mean? It's like we always, it's the first thing that occurs to us because we feel like we're out of balance. Like you said, Adrian, I think it's, it's more of a, a psychological term, like I should feel balanced, but it's it's a deadly, boring concept. It seems to speak, you know, as much to being stuck in the as it does to harmony. You know what I mean? So there's, there's also a sense of unbalancing that has to take place in order for us as people to break through into, larger, into a larger reality or a larger set of circumstances. And, you know, when you start something new and you, or you're doing a work or you're getting to you know you've come through some kind of transition with your family and that you're you're going in you're going into deeper waters well that requires a certain imbalance like i have to devote myself to dedicate myself to kind of make home this new territory or i'm probably going to slip back into what i said i really didn't want so there are times when the you know it requires one aspect of my life requires more of my attention to break through to the new level and which then puts attention as I think you really hit this well on my ability to marshal the other two, what I would call primary relationships with both. Like let's say I've got an issue at work and it's calling for my attention, as you said, and I start to focus on it. Well, it also requires me to be able to marshal both my relationship with my wife and family and my relationship with myself to, marshal those relationships in support to have it happen. So therefore, it's really more of an integration than if it, it is a balance. And, you know, the crazy thing is, we, as people, we are creatures of belonging. You know, we want to belong. And, you know, we don't often think about those moments of exile and stress and tension and loneliness as as uh, places to belong, like we shouldn't be here versus Oh, I see. This is where I need to be to get to the next level of intimacy with myself, with my partner or, you know, my family and or my work. And, or, and and then one might call me into the desert, like I might have to go in and give more attention to my my family maybe than my work at this time. But then that requires me to then communicate in a way that can marshal the supportive work to do that so that both of them get taken care of. It, it actually calls us into a bigger space. If we think about it as an integration rather than trying to balance it, which implies playing one off the other. Right. And so there's no integration that goes into place. So I, I kind of, as I listen to you, those are the things that went off in me. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's really limiting as I'm hearing you guys, I've never thought about it this way, but as I'm, as I'm listening to what you're saying, becomes very limiting for me because what i'm saying is in in the idea of balance the traditional idea of balance and specifically work-life balance it's like one or the other
2: yeah it's either or that's what it is because you're balancing right i mean this now right right so
0: it's it's like what do i have to give up here to to get here and what do i have to give up here to get here and what you're saying dan that's so clear to me now is like What if both were the goal and it just took you stepping into possibility about what could be done to get both here and here? What, you know, what you want in both spaces and that is not going to look like a balance. That's
2: it's going to require it's going to probably call on some isolation or maybe even some sense of exile because in in, let's say, marshalling my relationship at home for work. Or work for home um, i'm going to face maybe some disapproval or some uncomfortableness and i and now i've got to really think about what the value is of me putting this time in and taking this new ground and how can that benefit how's that benefiting all of what i'm doing and what can i invite the people on this on whichever in, in whichever domain i'm asking to contribute and be you know kind of integrate into the process the demand I've got to make it worth it. I've got to figure out what it is that's that. How do we stand together to have this work? Whether I stand together at work, have my family work or to stand together at home to have my work, work or to stand with both work and home. to So that I can get some time to really get it, come to terms with myself. I have a client now that is really, um, he's was well, a very successful guy. Uh, and, you know, he's, Really impressive cat, and but he in his success had alienated his family, and now he's working, but his family doesn't want to be with him. So he's learning what it, like they're like, like what that's going to take, like unplugging from the way he needs to have it be. And and one of the things he's thinking about is, and he's created an agreement around is he's going to go out and basically do a like a you know eight week hike. Pacific Crest Trail, right, and really go do it, get some time alone. And he's created that agreement, interestingly enough, with the two aspects of his life that he'd been in some conflict with. They all came together to support him in that, which I found to be enlightening, at least for me, that he, you know, I, I wondered if that could happen, but it was something that actually worked for him and brought some sense of integration. And now, of course, he wants some time to take a look and get himself oriented and he did some things that he needs to recover some relationship from and so he's got himself a good list of things to think about while he walks we're going to communicate often and on online but it's very interesting because that's the third relationship is like how do i get time for myself and how do i marshal and integrate the relationships from my work my calling and my relationship to support that as well and, and that requires you know those conversations that requires some navigating, getting vulnerable. You know, it's like that. There's power in that, if I'm willing to stand in it and receive what comes my way, as part of the process. And how can I have that work towards it? Because yeah. people may be upset.
1: <laughs> so, so many things are coming up for me. I just think that a lot of a lot of this is where life is for people, meaning. Like like navigating between what matters to us, right? I mean, that's essentially what is happening on a Tuesday afternoon for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um anyway, I I I am always drawn towards interesting words, uh, especially when the ones that I don't use that often. I looked up when you say the word marshal, I I think that's an interesting word because you're like marshalling your relationship is the key phrase you kept using, Dan. You know, and there's lots of definitions here. The one I I, I assume you mean, I think is really beautiful. It says to bring together and order in an appropriate and effective way. yes to yeah, to marshal bring together and order in an appropriate and effective way. That we could spend five hours talking about that.
2: Yeah, yeah we, we really could. Can you remind me of our conversation this morning with our client that we had? Yes, We're talking about marshaling the resources to have the conversations necessary to align the organization. Yeah, and that that you know that's like. Part of that marshalling is, am I willing to take on the extra work that it's probably going to represent to make the transition? Yeah. Right? i got going to marshal myself. Yeah. Order myself as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, other themes, which we can get into or not, uh, depending on where we want this to go, things that have come up for me is, you know, this conversation is very, very distinct, depending on what or how you see yourself and how you think your life is generated. Now, that's the big philosophical question. What I mean is, you know, am I responsible for my life or is my life happening to me? That's a pretty big, like if like this whole work-life balance, if my life is happening to me or if other people are happening to me or, you know, essentially the victim posture, if we have that, then this is a lot of work. And it's a big pain. I mean, I could raise my hand for how many times in my life I felt like I want somebody to get off my back. I want something else to start working. I want, you know, and it, I, I felt like the guy that was always never done because I was kind of the victim of circumstance yeah. and, and really codependent in the process. Like somebody else's disappointment was my job to fix. You know, and yeah. I, and I, know I know many, many, many clients that are tough as nails leaders in the workplace, mm-hmm. doormats at home. As, yeah. a, as a way to try to make up for, as a way to really, I think authentically for them, they're trying to make up for their their void. And so they yeah. think yeah. the strategy is roll over and just try yeah. to make it better, make roll it better.
2: Roll over and get resentful. <laughs> roll
1: o- yeah. roll yeah. over to the person. Yeah, but, but slowly build resentment over time. You got it. You know,
0: internalize it all.
1: That's right. But if you're like the caretaker, you know, mentality... Um, which I can definitely have been plenty in the past and can go to if I just want to make things okay. Can I make things okay over here? Can I make things okay over here? And that's a lot of work and uh, tireless work and it won't ever be done. Um, so my point is like, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I hold myself responsible for my own commitments and then actually hold others responsible for their own commitments and their own experience and whatever they want as well, then in some ways, this conversation really becomes
2: less heavy. Well yeah you when you, you, you kind of struck something that for me is there's you know it's like am i willing to have the conversation with let's say you or you know us to do something i want to do in my life and face the potential alienation of upsetting you and others or am i going to just cuz what generally happens is rather than face that immediately i'll just go do it behind your back and then i face an even deeper exile later yeah right versus hey, look, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'd like to do, what do you think, and I get you, you know, and we're working it out, whatever exile I'm going to experience in there, whatever alienation or disconnection or, if you kill, broken rapport that could occur, I'm going to benefit mm-hmm. quantum, I, you know, I don't know how to say it, but I'm going to benefit far more from an early conversation where I'm willing to face that than if I, like what I see most, and a lot of people do, which is just go do it anyway, or, you know, like, ask it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission that old story well no probably not in certain (laughs) like if you're really committed to having something turn out you might end up paying a lot more by asking for forgiveness than you know because you the idea is i need that support to be able to make this whatever i'm going to do magnificent because i need i don't want to have to go back and create more work which is going to distract it's going to create a separation And then I will be out of balance, right? Because I'm trying to get them both to work instead of admitting that certain things require more of me at times than others. And that now I'm requesting for something which makes me vulnerable, but also gives them a chance to feel, make a difference in in my life, which would make them feel better and vice versa, right? But I know that that game, right? I'll just come home and roll over. And then, you know, the wife gets suspicious because she's like, she's pissed off, but I'm rolling over and she knows something else is going on because I've gone long hours still. And so even though I'm rolling over, she's not feeling good about it. She's upset. Yeah. And, and then, and then I don't take care of myself. So I'm out of balance. I'm out of there, out of balance in the sense that I'm neglecting me because I'm too busy trying to prevent upset over here, rather than just you know acknowledging and saying, this is what's up. And I, and facing the conversations and what it's going to take to get the support from either side or from both sides
1: yeah
0: this this agitates a conversation for me around boundaries it's very woke right now to say that you have boundaries that you know your boundaries and you've set your boundaries and you know it, it's i love i like the idea of somebody knowing what they're about but I don't see that as the same conversation that most people are having currently around, quote unquote, boundaries. And I think this is related to this same sort of because a lot of people are are setting, quote unquote, boundaries in the name of balance. And I just I want to hear some of your thoughts on what some of the ideas that are going around about boundaries and how we we can use those to hide And to, you know, to get things that we want. And it's kind of, it's, it's often, well, I I don't want to keep going. I want to put it out to you. I I think it's a fascinating conversation to talk about. What are we talking about when we're talking about boundaries and how do we interact with them? How do we create the boundaries?
2: Oh, it's such an interesting subject. (laughs) (laughs) Adrian and I have talked a lot about this. Yes. Hey, do you want to go first? You want to take a cut at it first? Sure, sure. Well,
1: first off when and when anybody is I've I've always found it interesting too. So, here's a couple of things I've noticed. Is that when somebody is is setting a boundary. I almost said finally setting a boundary, but that would be accurate. Usually somebody's finally setting a boundary. It's in a reaction to something else. Right? So I'm setting up a boundary, not like I went out and laid it out first and then the world was ordered around it, right? It's a reaction to something. So usually a boundary in my experience when people say that they mean get off my lawn <laughs>
0: right well it's a reaction to an imbalance right yeah, sure yeah what, what yeah. they perceive as an imbalance in their life possibly
2: well, well yeah so let's think it's probably better. it's easy to see if you take it specifically like in a specific situation yeah so i posted a meme the other day the joke it was funny ha ha and <laughs> But I had, I thought it was funny. But I had a few people who've known me for a time come on and say, "I'm disappointed in you <sighs> that you would." They, I think they thought I was. I, I was making a comment, uh, the, the, the meme was making a comment that it was a joke. It said basically, you know, uh, put Trump stickers on. I'm putting Trump stickers on rioters' cars, watching them blow each other's cars up. I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, I don't care about Trump or that. I mean, that's, I'm not a real, it's just that it's funny. You, you know, it was, I thought it was a good idea. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> People got took it really upset. I thought to myself, okay, I got it. Thanks. Right. And they wanted more of that than that. They wanted me to explain myself. And I realized, I said to myself, well, it's not my task to take care of what you think of me. You haven't asked me any questions. You've only made a statement. So it's not my task. My wife says, how can you be so calm when somebody does that? I go, "Eh, it's their point of view. Got it. No problem. But they called you this, that, and the other. So it's okay. I've been that before, and I can see why. I mean, (laughs) don't you want them to know that? I mean, I said, look, it's an unsolicited comment about how somebody feels about me. What am I going to do? Change their emotions? I got it. i clear clear. I got it. And, and that's true in conversations a lot of times. Like somebody might say to you or say to me, you know, I don't like the way you handle that, or I don't like what you just said to me. Okay, good. Tell me more about that. Tell me what you felt. I'm up for that. I, I can hear what you felt, but I, it's not my job to make you feel better about what I said. I would happy to clear about if there's some miscommunication, clear that up. But if you think about it, it's my task to, to make sure that what I'm looking for gets communicated in this case, Of the meme, I just want to laugh. A lot of people laughed. You know, uh aha, some people didn't, got it. I let them know that I got what they said. They didn't like that, got it. I'm not going to go any further because it's not my task. It's not my task to make sure you feel all right about me. It's my task, maybe if I'm sending a communication, for you to get the communication. And if you didn't, then I can work myself around that. It's not your task to understand what I'm saying either if you don't want to. I I can't make you do something, and and if I want to enroll you, then I can take responsibility for that. If I, but if 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 I, what I ask myself: if I engage this, if you say something to me, I got to ask myself: what am I engaging this for? What do I want to get out of this? Am I looking to be right? Am I looking to be wrong? Am I am, I looking to be shamed? Am I, I looking? Am I looking to be honest and open, and then let the chips fall where they may, and get the real relationship? How often am I willing to be real in the conversation instead of who I think you need me to be, and then see if I and then let's work with that, right? I don't know about you, but in my experience, I find myself oftentimes getting hooked into trying to manage somebody else's emotional state, and I can't do that but I can learn from it and I can decide how I'm going to stand in relationship to it. Yeah, it's, that, That's a lot of where I go with this thing is for the right. boundaries is like, what's my task here and right. what am I really committed to have happen? Because right. I may be completely like, if I'm really committed to getting something across to you, I might then engage at a much deeper level than if I'm just listening to connect with you. Right. And I may not have, you know, connect with you might be you getting that I get what you say that's a different thing right if that i may not need to i may have a completely different point of view or but you you may just need to be connected with and you didn't ask for that point of view so i'm just listening like those are those are what i think people when they say boundaries how far are you going to let people i think they're afraid of like somebody if somebody's yelling at me and accusing me of something well the boundary's right here i don't have what meaning am i putting on it Right, like somebody gets in your face about something, you can walk away. That's a boundary. Or you can decide not to let it get to you. That's another way to put the boundary up. There's a number of ways to do that, but you don't have to buy into, like, I, I, I guess the, what I'm saying is, I decide what I, meaning I'm going to put on the the communication that comes to me. And the meaning I want to put on it is I'm working at is gives me I want the meaning that's going to give me the most resource in the conversation yeah and that's that's kind of when I hear boundaries that's what I hear it's like okay good let's where does my skin end and where does yours begin and my job is to deal with this over here and connect with you over there no matter where you are and that might be even in your anger connect with what that's about
1: what about a but that's not what that's not what people mean though. <laughs> I think that I think that's great. And I, I, I'm with that for sure. But usually what people mean is I, when people say boundaries, they usually mean rules. Yeah. I mean, you don't get yeah. to blank
2: with me. Right? Well, I mean but modern I mean. rules today is if you're upset, like let's say if I say something that upsets you, it's my problem. That's the kind of that's the culture today. If somebody says something that offends the person who's offended thinks it's what's been said to them. That's right. And what I'm suggesting is that's that's codependent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's like I need you to be a certain way before I can be another way. Person, yeah. I see that you're upset, and I'm still committed to being this way with you and listening to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to let your upset shut me down. I'm going to I'm going to choose to be awake and hear it. Or yeah. I'm gonna, or if it's abusive, I'm you know, I'm just not going to have the conversation. It's okay. Or I'm going to listen and see what I can learn from it, but I'm not going to try to, you know, I, I may not try to reduce your anger. Maybe you need to be angry. I get it, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, the, the thing I'm concerned about is most of the time when I'm getting angry, I'm trying to dominate. Yeah. And I know so when people get angry, they're trying to get their way and they're pissed off because they get, didn't get their way. And maybe giving them their way is the thing to do, but maybe it's not. And I have to assess that based on what my my tasks are what I'm committed to, what I want to get done and, and whether or not it fits in the world and the integrity of my world. Right. And be honest about it. Stand in the in and open about it.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's very different than the culture today.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I I think most of the time when somebody finally sets a boundary, um, they, they said it in the same way that they didn't have it. Meaning, The other party is the powerful one. I'm I'm being mistreated. So now I'm going to set a boundary. But I set it like throwing a grenade. Right? I'm going to throw it here. There's my boundary over there. Don't you dare cross it. And then they will. But because, you know, they had to set the boundary to kind of set the rules straight. They didn't deal with the relationship that built the need for the boundary in the first place. Yeah. Right. And they didn't take responsibility for all the time they didn't have the boundary. Yeah. This is where the crux hits. Right. So if people kept, if, 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 let's say it's me. If I came to somebody and said, hey, Dan, you know, the last few times we've had a conversation, you've really blown up and I didn't say anything. And, you know, that I don't like the way that feels. I don't like the way that works. I don't think it's going to set us up. Instead of saying, Dan, you don't get to talk to me like that. That's my boundary. Right. If I were to say that, like say, oh, finally I'm done, but I didn't account for all the ways I'd let it be okay and trained you to treat me a certain way by not saying something. The omission beforehand has trained the offender to be the way that they are, or they've said it's okay, you know. And so- yeah. Right. Yeah. Tacit consent. And most people don't want to take that responsible, take those extra kind of confessional steps. Because anytime you set a boundary, what's probably neat on the front end is a confession. Like, hey, I haven't said anything for a while. This is on me. Here's the part that's on me. And I've let you know that it was okay because I didn't say anything for a while. And now, you know what, I'm getting clear and I'm finally having the courage to stand up and say something. So let's talk about how it's going to work moving forward. Rarely is anybody that's setting a boundary have that conversation because that takes, you know, humility and and
2: well, what, what happens is if somebody if I feel like somebody's overset my boundary, I can react moralistically. Right. I Notice is that it's some moralistic thing like I might have given I may have never said anything about it until that moment. And then I react kind of in a punitive shaming way like, you know. I'm disappointed in you, or is there something wrong with you? I mean, I can't believe you can't be Christian if you think this way, or God knows how many different things I've heard, right? If you, and so the idea is if the person isn't acting the way I think they should, they're not being who I frame them to be in my mind, somehow they're violating my boundary versus. Wow, I wonder when I'm making up here that I'm so offended, that I've given so much power. That's what I think in my mind. Why am I giving this person, the situation, whatever's going on, the circumstance, so much power? And what do I what do I gain out of it? And sometimes it's just that I want to feel superior because I'm afraid of the argument or I'm afraid of the content of the conversation. It might shift me. Sometimes it might be um I want my way and I'm not getting it. So I'm going to stay angry and I'm going to make it as moral as I have to till that person either gets on board with me or gets out. I mean, or I don't
0: want to show up to the conversation in a way yeah, that's yeah. vulnerable, open and, and transparent. Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't want to have the conversation. Right. What so. about, what about
0: when we talk about situations like hypothetically, and, I, and this is something that I've worked with on specific clients for myself is they're superior has quote unquote put a workload on their plate that is too much, right? And they now are, and this is harkening back to the work work life balance quote unquote. They can't have a healthy work life balance with the amount of work that they have been that that has been placed in their responsibility. So what what now? I mean, that's for me. That's I see a lot of people come up with the boundaries conversation there. Well, I've got to set boundaries. I've got to let them know I'm out of the office by this time and whatever doesn't get done just doesn't get done or you know whatever that looks like. And I feel like this goes into the same kind of the conversation that we're having is that there there is a different conversation than a boundary conversation that is needed.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's an order of conversations, right? So we do this thing in the training called intention mechanism And generally, I don't want to stop and see. I wonder what my intention has been up until now that created the relationship I currently have with my manager or whoever, whoever put this load of work on me, right? Yeah. So I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at that. I want to look at, oh, what I'm going to do is let them know that I can only do so much work and after this amount of time, I'm out. So I don't have to deal with how I worked myself into a relationship that is now feeling overloaded and i wonder at what, how what how i created this environment that we're in how what did i contribute to it because that's the only thing i can take responsibility for and what's kinds of conversations are wanted and needed before we even decide what we would do or not do like to get at the bottom of how it got this place mm-hmm. and where did i give up my my responsibility to have it turn out the way i wanted it to and what's it going to take for me to do that to get it ordered and integrated because that's probably going to require conversations not just at work but outside of work if i want to keep it and if i don't want to do that am i willing to have the conversation about the potential of moving on like what and how do i The only way to evaluate those is what am I aiming at when I go into the conversation that'll set up the order of concerns that I need to navigate both internally than externally.
1: Yeah. So, so much. I've heard people use that, you know, I got this dropped on my desk or this dropped on my plate or whatever, as if something's happening to me. I think that's really brilliant. What most people, I mean, I, I want to get back to like a tie back in a previous uh, part of the conversation here too, is, the willingness to face disappointment. It's a big deal. Yeah. The willingness to face someone else's disappointment. and that's, that's- why,
2: But that's why people use that. Like, like people try to motivate other people. I'm disappointed with you, Adrian. Because that's going to motivate you to come to the conversation if you're not clear about your task. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe their disappointment is good to pay attention to. Maybe I had something to do with it. Maybe I didn't. Is it legitimate?
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking about there is, there is, it's worth noting the power differential or the power, uh, the structural differential, let's just say that, right. Cause there's, there's yeah. different, there's different levels of responsibility as you go up, 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 or down the ladder, right. Levels yeah. of responsibility, like the amount of things one is responsible for. So if you're getting, you know, an extra assignment and it might've been handed to you thrust upon you assigned to you, whatever, let's just say all that's true. And let's, Say for a second, that's not a problem. People usually come at this like it's a problem or it shouldn't happen or look what's happening to me. But let's say for a second, okay, good. This person has, has told me to do this. Now, now what do I want to do? Okay, so that, you know, it, all of a sudden we're in a, I'm in a new conversation about what's needed between now and let's say the project's due by Friday. Okay, good. Now, do I want this or do I not want this?
2: And if I don't want this, what's the, what's the potential impact? That's right. That's right. How am I going to deal with that? What's the worst case scenario? What's the best? Case? And what's in between? And like, yeah. am I willing to have the worst case scenario? There are natural. My point
1: is like there are natural concerns with more tasks to complete in a fixed amount of time. There are natural concerns that ought to be looked at. And most of us want, including this guy talking, want other people to read my mind and want other people to really know me and what it's like to be me. But that ain't, that day's not coming. Nobody's, nobody gets, nobody knows what it's like to be you. It just really, they don't. That's not, that's not going to happen.
2: And. uh, (laughs) But how often have you found yourself, I have, making sure people know what it's like to be you as if they care. I mean. Yeah, that's right. So many times. And then I go, what, have you ever done and you go, what am I doing? They don't give a shit. I'm just, I'm. (laughs) And if they do, they're just pretending probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I say that's to Allie too much. I'm like, you know what? I need to stop. Need to stop. I'm just explaining. I'm explaining to hear my define myself in the conversation. Um, but my point here is, is that when somebody gives you a task, they probably don't know what was already on your plate. They probably don't. Probably don't. Assume, assume they don't is what I would suggest. Assume they don't know what's here. And they don't know what's at stake. If you take on the task that they've asked you to take on, they don't know what else won't work, what else won't fit. So either you'll treat yourself like a slave, you know, like, okay, I'm just, now I have to deal with all the things that are here and act like I'm playing the old game. I've, you know, it's a 10 peg, 10 hole game. And all of a sudden there's 11 pegs and I got to make them all fit. And that, you know, this is a different game. Or I can go have a conversation saying, I I hear you. I'd like to do this. Here's what I'm up against between now and Friday. Here's what I'm up against. And so I'd like to, I'd like, this sounds like high priority for you. I want to deliver on this. Is it okay? These things are going to come in on Monday.
2: Yeah. And, or, yeah. So you're making some requests. You're starting to. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, the that comes after you've caught yourself. That's right. After you've made all the moralistic judgments about the other person for how insensitive they are and who do they think they are putting this on your plate. Yeah. After all they hired you, what do they think they do? You you, you work with them, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's right.
0: Well, it's, it becomes a conversation about what's impossible or what's possible rather than what, what's limited, what, what we can only get done. It be, then becomes a conversation about how can we get this done? Right. And, yeah. And resources will start to appear. And I love that. Like, I, I've learned this. <laughs> I'm practicing this conversation constantly with my wife, especially when a time-consuming project comes up at work. And I know it's going to require more time and energy than what we have agreed together is what we wanted to put into our work, into my work. Meaning I'm going to need to work till seven for the next four days, rather than, you know, our agreed upon quitting time about five 30 and be in the kitchen, helping prepare dinner and that kind of stuff. So then what has to happen is rather than saying, no, I can't do that. I have boundaries I can then go to Katie and have a conversation and say, hey, I'm committed to you. We have an agreement. However, I have this project coming up, and I th- here's how I think the project is going to bless our lives. Ken, what do you think about me working until 7 for the next four nights so that I can make sure I get this project done? And I'm concentrated on it and I do it right so that we can reap the rewards together for it. And then I will be present this time, this time and this time next week. Yeah. And it's just, it's opened so much possibility. This is one thing that I, I, Eileen invited me into through our coaching was just like, go have a conversation, man.
2: Well, it's like, interesting what you said, because you, you're showing her what future she's standing for with you. And, you're inviting the renegotiation, so that it could work out for both of you. You're not just, you know, it's, it's she's going to take a little more load for a while, but then this is what's going to come out of it. And here's who you're committed to being in it. And you know, it's like that's a different conversation. Yeah, compared to my own, it is, it is boundary. I mean, you are yeah. acknowledging the boundary, and you are now asking to push it out.
0: Well, and compared to the old conversation was a shame based conversation. It's like, don't you know what I do? Don't you appreciate everything that we have? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that racket that that I that I would turn to when she didn't get a, get on board with the idea that I had to work a little bit more than what we had agreed upon. Yeah,
2: the moral conversation. Don't you know? Yep. You don't care. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah it's yeah. Uh, but, but i mean arrogance and self-pity are really friends you know yeah. if, if you know I, and i'm familiar with both you know it's like if if i'm feeling like people don't understand how hard my life is it'll probably come out like arrogance if you know it's like self-aggrandizement
2: Hmm. fear
1: fear yeah as a reaction yeah these are all i mean that uh, I'm I'm like up against it now too with you know moving houses this week packing lots of but here's the only here's the only reason I'm up against it the only reason I am feeling it is because I am committed in multiple places simultaneously because I want victory I want health I want you know amazing like amazing results everywhere mm-hmm. you can you can decide. You can take the tension down by deciding to go to indifference or apathy. Right. Like that's a way. Right. To like make it easier to to take the tension away, you can just decide not to care. And you know, she'll get over it or they'll wait till Monday or you know, they'll, you can just excuse, you can shut down, you know, the amount of factors that you're deciding to be conscientious of. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's you know when do you want the pain? Do you want it now or do, you know or do you want it later?
2: Well, penalties and interest.
1: Penalties and interest. That's right. It's I mean the, you, you you laid out the the dichotomy uh, earlier in the conversation. It's worth bringing up again because this uh, we talk about this all the time with clients, and I talk to myself as my own first client all the time about this. Either or thinking or both and thinking. Yeah. So it's either I can. Kick-ass at work or Ali's happy in my world, or I can do both. How do I get both? And and usually it requires some, first off, desire to get both and thinking it's possible. Second, it requires me to slow down and actually get more intentional. Then I can't be on autopilot and get both of those. I need to be actually more intentional in both realms which is part of where the video came yesterday. Thinking about, oh, this could be a holiday or it could be a holiday and I retain, think through how do I make sure that things are taken care of at the store? Because I actually feel better if things are taken care of. I do. My holiday, my time with my family is more authentic if I've also been a great business partner. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'm there and I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about what I haven't done as a business partner. And now it's my kid's fault. Yeah, look- but that,
2: that, that's that balance thing. Cause now you're trying to, and people pay on either side. That's you know, right. it, it, it's also, I noticed too, for me in a conversation where we are trying to work something out like that, how often do I spend energy? One of the things I can do, I've been caught up in many times is defending or trying to prevent something from happening versus what am I actually committed to have happen? What am I standing for versus against? Yeah. Because if I get my head all caught up in if I do this, I don't, you know, this is what's good. I'm trying to prevent something. If I do this, then I can prevent that. Or if I don't do this, it's going to happen to me. That's very different than, okay, if I stand for this, there's a lot that, a lot of things might ha- be able to happen that I thought couldn't happen in order to have this turn out. Right? Like, if I want to get rid of something, like, so for instance, I'm committed. I want to get rid of everybody on the team that's not on board with what we're doing. It's yeah. different than I want to align the team with what we're committed to. And those, and if somebody doesn't get aligned or they don't want to align, okay, of course they're going to leave, but the focus is on what I'm standing for, right? And it's very—it's easier to be against something than it is to be for something. That's right. The problem is, if I'm against something, I'm defined by the thing I'm against, and when it's gone, I have no stand. I may resist getting rid of it because if I'm anti whatever it is, if it's gone, I'm no longer. I have no purpose. Hmm. What am I standing for? Right, and that's I've noticed. Like we were talking with a client today, they were. They were they didn't want certain things to happen. One of our one of the guys didn't want to be the the goat for why it didn't work or get blamed or end up with something preventing from things ending up on his plate. That's very different than I want to get this done, whether this lands on my plate or not. And how can I have this happen regardless of what occurs? How can I use what occurs to have this happen? And that's if we can get that shift in, I, I we get a lot more re- resourceful and less reactive, less survival-y.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because the plate isn't fixed. No. The plate's not fixed. I think that's part of your your point earlier, Chad, as well. It's let's just say I've got room for all this. Now that would require a different lens on my capacity and it would it would it would, you know, it would illuminate the level of trust I have with the people around me. And not like can I trust them, but am I am I willing to trust them?
2: Yeah, you know what, what do I need to trust them? How what conversations need to take place so I will bestow trust trust off authentically and go with it. That's right. It's great. Now you got me thinking. There's a lot here. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot here. Yeah, i have to talk to you after this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when it goes, when the podcast goes silent and we're all looking at the ceiling, we know. Oh. <laughs> okay.
2: You now we, we find ourselves saying things we never knew we had to say. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: Well, well the, the point is probably, I mean, one of the final
1: points here is, you know, for the, those of you that are listening and, and if you're still listening to this, thank you. You could tell we were just in the conversation about it and i'm hoping it you know provokes you to have your own conversation about you know about how things are like what is the current state of things that's what i mean mm-hmm. what's the current state of things between you and whomever you're partnered with whether it's a partner at home or or you know significant people in your life or your team at work or if you're a solopreneur with yourself you know cuz you you are if you're running your own business you are the boss and you are the employee and that might not be a good relationship right now but what is the what is the current state of things and it's worth uh, wherever the tension, there's probably things that are unhad. There's conversations that are unhad, and you know what they are, right? And, mm-hmm. and you've been tolerating them because the pain hasn't been high enough to, in your mind, warrant a conversation. But probably you're aware that you're just scared of it, you know. So this might be an opportunity to think through what are the conversations that I've been avoiding, and even. I know for myself, as a guy that can easily go towards the martyr, oh, I'll just take on the load. I'll just take it. I'll pay the price. I'm fine because, you know, I tend, to, I tend to look good in my own eyes if I'm that guy. So if, if you're the martyr, wonder for a second about what you're not standing for about yourself. And where, where might you actually ask for more help than you've yeah, previously up until now been willing to ask for help? You know, because that's where the life is here in this type of conversation is that relationships can be regenerated and, you know, re-articulated and reconstituted whenever you want. Nothing keeps a relationship as it is except for what we're willing to tolerate. So if you're willing to reconstitute the thing, actually, that's when you're leading. But no matter where you are on the team, the one that's willing to ask questions about why things are the way they are and how, how could they be that would actually serve the mission, whatever that is if it's at work or at home or wherever it is. But the one asking the questions usually is the, is the one leading the conversation. And that's where the leadership happens. So hopefully you've been in this, your own you know, dialogue with yourself about where things are. And, and I hope this uh, conjures up some fresh perspectives and fresh conversation for you.
0: It's good. Certainly. Anything you want to end with, Dan?
2: No, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the idea of, for me, the idea of being clear about what I want to cause when I get into the conversation, what, What's my end in it Uh, helps me a lot, helps me be clear about what my task is and what it isn't. And Mm -hmm. because I can exhaust myself in trying to be liked or accepted or like that. Yeah. And, And I think, you know, being alone is good for good for a person. You know, times alone where like I can, can you stand alone? Because if I can stand alone, then being with you, I can be with you authentically and I'm there for you. I'm not just there because I need you to like me or need you to approve of me or need you to go along with me or agree with me. Instead, I can be there with you and understand and implement and integrate you into my life as well. And you're going to be able to trust me a lot more, even though you may not like me at certain moments, even though that where I am is where I said I'd be. So I think being clear about what I'm committed to and telling the truth about that, or at least not lying about it and then standing in the open with it. Mm. Uh, I find a lot of freedom in that and joy. And I notice that the people that get attracted are the ones you can, I can count on to be honest, to be straightforward, to be transparent and to be open, right? Because we have a trust.
0: So that's a good lead into next week's episode, Dan. My pleasure. (laughs) join us next week for a discussion about openness and transparency this is going to be a good one thanks so much gentlemen good to be here thanks chad Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.